get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Kylie and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And we've had a lot of discussion this week following the Blues exit interviews, talking about leadership and culture and the St. Louis Blues team headed into this really intriguing offseason. We talked with Barrett Jackman yesterday, who gave us some perspective, but I wanted to get more. And I welcome in now on our 101 ESPN hotline a man who was a captain for the St. Louis Blues for five seasons. He was with St. Louis for the majority of his career. Uh, David Backus is with us today here on 101 ESPN. David, how are you today, sir? I'm excellent. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Really appreciate you taking some time out and and hopping on with us because uh, when it comes to leadership, uh, everybody, even Doug Armstrong, cited the leadership that you provided in St. Louis and somebody that he said he extremely respects in the game. And the major question we have, David, is the struggles that the Blues went through this season, the uh, amount of players that had the conversations of, you know, professionalism was lost, the culture was lost, and we got to find a way to get it back. Were you surprised when, when you hear those comments coming from a St. Louis Blues team where you know that that culture's been there for such a long time? I'm surprised. I think that something that the culture, and, and I'm glad you started with Barry yesterday, that's such a great spot start because that's where I feel like the the culture was laid for what we were able to take the team from when um, I got to the team and, and being a bottom you know a bottom of the barrel first overall pick when we picked Eric Johnson to you know five years consecutively in the playoffs and then a Stanley Cup in 2019 um, it's culture is not something that you buy it's not something you can just all of a sudden pull out of thin air. You have to build it and you have to be intentional about it. And it takes time and it, it takes time to maintain. So I know there's, there's a lot of turnover that happens in all sports, but um, you know, starting with a guy like Ryan O'Reilly and, and Braden Shen, who are blue collar, hardworking guys, tough, tough old school kind of hockey players. I guess that's the shocking part that um, there was a slip, but there's also you know, you get some young kids that get keys to the castle and, and big contracts, and now are they the ones that are driving the culture in the room, or is it still the guys that have the better know-all and, and the guys that have been there and done it in the, in the former group of guys? And so that's where I'm seeing it. And as Army mentioned, is, is this an anomaly or is this the trend? And one both well for the group and the other one certainly doesn't. I think it's it's something that's not gone currently from the team, but they have to grab it in a in a big way. And those the two young guys with the big contracts um, have to be, if not leading it, have to be first in line to support you know a guy like Braden Shen or whoever's going to be you know the next leader of the team next year. So David, I, I'm I'm not trying to 
puts you on inside of that locker room. But if you've served in that role of being the captain, and if you were still back to take you back into the mid 2010s, for example, here in St. Louis, and you were talking with Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo, what are those conversations like? What does this summer look like for you as you're trying to get this thing back on track? Well, I think it's, it's a, there's a, a common base of a relationship between any of the guys on the team that needs to be built. So you've got the equity um, built up in a relationship so that whatever, if it's game five and you said, Hey, we need more from you. Not that we need you to score more goals, but you need to equate in your head, just like I think Alex Ovechkin did in Washington when he went from being, he's going to score 40 goals every year to a Stanley cup champion. As he said, the defensive side of the game means just as much as the offensive side of the game. And I'll block a shot if I have to. And um, equate to them that if you back check hard and stop a goal, that's equally good for our team as you going end to end and scoring a goal on the other side and being able to, you know, get into those guys' face and say, this isn't good enough. This isn't our standard. And to me, I've always thought that if, if you can hold guys to a work ethic standard, their skills going to come out and it's going to be a great outcome. You know, guy like Vladdy Tarasenko early in his career thought he could, you know, maybe pick when he was going to be fully engaged. And there were some not pretty moments between the two of us, but in the end there was a common respect there and he turned out to be a, a pretty good player and a pretty big, uh, contributor to a Stanley Cup in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, David, because that was the first thing that I thought of when when Doug talked about you know that disconnect from him and his group and talking about the younger players in today's game compared to what it's been in the past. And he said he's just been uncertain. And I specifically remember the one practice at Enterprise Center where you and Vladdy had a disagreement in practice, and you know both of you talked about it, and both of you said, "Look, we're going to keep that behind closed doors, and we're going to approach it." And of course, the rest of that season went on for six with that team but you've seen that you've seen young players like Vladdy Tarasenko in St. Louis I'm sure you saw young guys when you were in Boston and then most recently when you retired you were playing with the Anaheim Ducks and saw a young Trevor Zegras and a young Troy Terry what is it about I guess the young players in the disconnect that Doug Armstrong was talking about um and again there's a disclaimer that I'm not in the room and I haven't had a personal conversation with any of those any of the younger guys that are currently there but what I saw throughout my career, and I think anyone that's over age, probably 30, would would recognize this word is very prevalent with the younger generation, is the word entitlement. And whether or not they're owed anything or they're going to earn it and earn it every single day. And to me, that's the difference between the new generation player and the old generation player. And whether that's salary cap um, you know, created or if that's a – just general culture, uh, this is America and we're going to have everything handed to us type of feeling. So, But that's that's the death knell, I think, of team culture and it's us before me mindset. And so that's what I think uh, is the difference. And being able to – and Doug Armstrong had done a phenomenal job, whether it was the culture in the room that helped those guys along uh, or it was the the – players that he's gotten that he's done his diligence due diligence with and brought him in and said these guys are are going to work for it every single day um 
it's tough though because those two young guys are phenomenal. And I'm not saying it's just those two young guys, but they've now, you know, in the new era, he made a bet on them that they were going to be the future of the team, and that was the going rate to keep him around. And now, you know, he needs them to step up and say, "I care about all 200 feet of the ice, and I'm going to be a difference maker every night." And David, when when I look at that scenario, whether it's the Blues or any other team in the NHL, and people say, oh, well, you know, the coach has got to be able to do that, or you got to bring somebody in who can do that. I, I truly believe it has nothing to do with anybody from the outside, and it's going to have everything to do with those individual players and how they go about it moving forward. And missing the playoffs might be the perfect start for it. Yeah, for two guys that have tasted the pinnacle in a Stanley Cup, and now they've tasted what it's like to be uh, mid-April and staring around and going, what do, what do I do now for the next six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks when I was hoping to still be playing? And hopefully that is enough. And you're right, it's got to be something from within them. And if it's not, you know, there's there's alternatives that Army has at his fingertips, but they're not beautiful when you've, you know, doled out a contract the way that he's had to in order to retain those players. Uh, I think of a guy like David Perron, who at you know, seven, eighteen drafted in the first round and came in and had that sense of entitlement. And it was, it was painstaking to just be like, that's not how this works. We're all on the same team, but why would you get the same, you know, first dibs at anything when we've got hall of fame caliber resumes here? Yes. We're all, you know, part of this team, but there is a hierarchy within the team and you need to know your role. And one day you'll get to that spot as well. And so, that type of mentality and he finally relented and I think he's made one heck of a career for himself now knowing what you know it takes to be a pro and to assimilate to that team mindset so there's work to be done but I don't think it's it's out of reach by any stretch. So that was the example I wanted to go to with you David because I I think you could make an argument that a big piece of what led to this year was David Prawn no longer being inside of that dressing room as being one of the leaders of that club. And so, David, when you think about Perron, when you think about Vladdy, and you've been around a lot of younger guys that have come in probably thinking they were going to change the league, right? You, you've seen that happen before. How do they get to that next level of understanding okay, I, I've got to be more than just a highlight reel night in, night out. I've got to be able to play this 200-foot game because that's going to be what's best for the team. Is everybody different? Like, what are the steps in your mind that lead to that aha moment for young players now? Well, it's a lot of humble pie. And like you said, missing the playoff could be that embarrassment and you know being on display of like, hey, this guy's supposed to be one of our best players, but he's only concerned about this side of the ice. I think David Perron, when um, you know he was coming around in St. Louis, I think he got a lot of his eyes open when he went to Edmonton and saw it very prolifically through their culture of only caring about the offensive side of the game. Um, and, and you talk about a guy like Trevor Zegras. He's a highlight reel. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, but does that matter more to you or does winning games and coming together and battling for your teammates matter more to you? And that's individual decisions. And then I think, you know, in, in Boston, the management was very supportive of the guys of if there wasn't a guy buying in, it didn't matter how talented he was. Um, you know, they try to maximize return for sure, but it was, it was like, okay, he's not working. He's not buying in gone. And when you do that to one or two guys that 
thought they were untradeable or thought they were supreme talents or thought that, you know, they were above average to be in the league and they were just jettisoned because they weren't buying in. It starts to uh, be a requirement to have that mentality that we care about the team and our team success more about more than our stat line. I'll give you an example. When we were in Boston, um, every year at the end of the year, even if I think the first year we lost to Ottawa, we would do a team trip and we'd fly. I think it was, we'd fly to Scottsdale or to Fort Lauderdale. And it was like, Hey, in four days, we're all booking flights. We're all going to Fort Lauderdale and we're going to spend two nights in this hotel. And we're just going to, you know, have some team bonding, knowing that everyone wasn't going to be back the next year. But the first year, two guys didn't go on the trip and those two guys weren't with the team the next year. And it was, it was the support of management that said these guys couldn't take their, they hopefully were planning their, you know, until middle of June that their schedules were full, but they couldn't take three days out of their personal time that after the season was over to commit to the team and have some shared experiences with their teammates. And all of a sudden there's, there's eyes open to say, these are requirements to be bought into the group and to, to really invest in what we're doing here at their unit. Wow. And that kind of circles back to how we started, David, and this will be the final one. We appreciate you uh, giving us some of this time today and uh, providing us your insight. But a lot of that comes to the leadership conversation and, you know, the captain and the alternate captains. And, you know, we all, we take pride in the in the sea in St. Louis, just like I know you do from who wore it throughout their time with the St. Louis Blues. And Doug Armstrong talked about it in his exit interviews of trying to decide, you know, what the the letter C means right now in the NHL compared to what it's mean in the past. And you look at the St. Louis Blues team, and, and I'm curious, somebody who wore the captaincy, who saw a Patrice Bergeron and Orion Getzlav as the captains with their team, uh, what do you believe the, the, the captaincy means in the NHL today? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's being the ultimate, you know, leader is about sacrificing for the, the whole and, and sacrificing your own success for the success of the whole larger group being the first guy that's willing to model that to be willing to, you know, get that message down the whole roster and have everyone bought in. I, I, I don't know, you know, Braden Shan, I got tons of respect for him and Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's, he's a phenomenal hockey player. Riddle me this though, of like, look at the captains in the league that have the success. You mentioned a Ryan Getzlaff with Patrice Bergeron, um, Alex Petrangelo in St. Louis guys that, have a lot of tenure with a team that get the culture that grew up with the culture, maybe drafted by that team and spend their whole career there. There's something deeper than I got to see in my chest and I'm a prominent player and I want this team to win. I'm willing to put in the effort. There's almost a, a part of your soul. That's part of um, part of the team and the organization. And I felt that when I was in St. Louis and that to me is something that I think is, very critical. Look at a Steven Stamkos in, in Tampa, um, Nathan McKinnon in Colorado, guys that only know that team that they play for, not that it can't work otherwise, but just that that's a one heck of a start to picking who the next leader is going to be. That being said, it's got to be the right person and they got to have the right personality traits, but you've got to be like, if, if you're on a long-term deal and they slap a C on your chest, there's no pay increase. There's no uh, extra compensation. And it comes with a ton of responsibility. Are you going to embrace that and do it to the best of your ability and willing to 
stick your neck on the line and, and combat some of your teammates in order to make everyone better? Or is it a, a beautiful, you know, stamp of approval that you've made it to the pinnacle of the league and you're going to do your best, but it's, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And I think to me, that sort of quality along with that, you know, setting the work ethic and having, you know, it's like starting a business or, or starting an organization. You've got to come up with a mission statement on what we are as a group. And that's got to guide every decision and every action that you do every day. And that's a great place to start. David, final question. We'll get you out of here on this. And thanks so much once again for your time today. I know you're uh, you're busy with some of the charitable work that you do off of the ice. Is, is there anything else that you're planning to do within hockey? Are, are you planning to go into the coaching side of things or the hockey operations side? What's next for David Backus? Yeah, you know what? I, I still love the game. Uh, I had a couple of former teammates over here at our house last night. Kept up with them and their wives, and now there's a bunch of little kids running, running <laughs> around. Um, but now, you know, my kids are seven and five, and I want to be present for them. And unfortunately, the hockey world is a lot of nights and weekends, yeah. and uh, that conflicts with my goal number one, to be present with my kids until – they're too cool for dad and they want me to not be around them. Um, if there was some role that I could accomplish both, I think I might embrace it, but I just haven't found that that exists yet. So right now I'm going to be dad and hopefully super dad, if I can get that title. And then when that's, uh, when that is uh, run its course, then, you know, hopefully the game's not pass me by too far and I can jump back in in some regard. David, I got a two-year-old and a nine-month-old at home, so I can already tell you with seven and five, you're a super dad in my mind because I feel like I'm trying to accomplish that. Hey, uh, how about Athletes for Animals? I know it was an incredible charitable thing that you had in St. Louis when you were here, and I know opportunities still for St. Louis people to be involved with it, but how is everything going with Athletes for Animals? It's actually going really well. Uh, Purina stepped up the last two years and done some partnerships with us. Right now, we have uh, something called Monday Like a Pro Challenge. And if you go to MondayLikeAProChallenge.com, uh, you can register and it's free. And all you do is log the minutes that you're active with your pets as springtime's coming around in summer. Um, every week, we log a million minutes uh, active with your pets. Pro Plan's going to donate. 15 grand athletes for animals and all that money that comes in, we get it back out in the community in the form of uh, grants to other organizations that are doing great work around. So if you can join that, that would be lovely. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we're still doing it. And my wife spends so much of her time and effort and energy on it that, uh, you know, it can't help but continue to be a successful. I see videos of you and the doggos in the backyard. So I know it's still successful. David, truly appreciate the time and the insight that you provided us today, man. Thank you so much. Best to you and, uh, and Mrs. Backus and the kiddos at home. And we look forward to hopefully chatting with you again real soon, man. All the best. Thanks for having me. And yeah, uh, hopefully uh, you get some warm weather there coming through and, and enjoy a summer soon.